Hello, Tribesters and our extended tribe. Welcome to Conscious Leaders, our series with leaders and their advisors about the world of work and how it's changing. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Lucy Harris. Lucy has been a headhunter for over 25 years and is the founding partner of Altrua, an agency built on a passion for working around organizational health and purpose. More conscious leader than most, Lucy has been at the cutting edge of C-suite engagement, and few can be better off giving us a little bit of navigation around what's happening with leadership today and how it's evolved. For Lucy and Altrua, understanding purpose is key to delivering visions and results, always people, not profit driven. Lucy, thank you for joining us today. Pleasure. Um, let's start off just about your early career and how you got to where you are now. So can you give us a little bit of insight on your journey? Yes, of course. Um, I didn't plan on being a headhunter. I'm not sure many do. I have a creative degree and I grew up um, internationally with my father um, being in the British forces. So we lived all, over, all around the world. Um, my passion was to work in the fashion industry, unquestionably. And I actually trained as a buyer um, and uh, started life working for Harrods. So I did train and um, got, to the, got to the level of buyer before being interested actually by more than one business as opposed to operating just within one company and it was at that point that I um, engaged with a headhunter um, and they offered me a slot to cross the table and sit on the other side of what was then a very large television screen shaped computer with a pile of physical CVs and I thought that would be a great place to sit um, and, and have a watchful brief while I found myself uh, another buying role um, and the truth is I, I I, I found myself fascinated by the movement of talent, um, industries, multiple businesses, and stayed. And uh, 20, far too many years later, I'm here. Uh, what an interesting start. And it's so interesting how those, like, that one moment can change everything from based on where you thought you'd, you'd go, and then all of a sudden it evolves into something else. Um, how has recruitment and headhunting changed over your extensive career? Actually, the two are separate, but um, my early, year, early years in, in the industry saw me grow up in, in recruiting. So recruiting is, a, is, is more of a mass market, tends to be more mid-management mid level. Um, and I have taken a different route to some search partners in that I've grown up with my candidate base. So there are plenty of examples of me having hired uh, leaders two or three times, at least through their career. So I've grown up with them. Um, which has been a nice, nice approach. And there's a, there, there are deep rooted relationships on both sides of the table there. Um, search is, uh, search is, is a technical difficult um, process that, that used to be a case of fishing in a pool and, and hopefully you hooked the right fish um, in layman's terms. It is now uh, highly analytical, data-driven, um, protected by ruling around GDPR, um, enabled by fantastic social platforms um, and uh, a, a, you know social media sharing a lot of information on talent. So it doesn't make it any easier, however, to have those meaningful relationships. You have to earn the relationship of a candidate in order to have a conversation with them about a great brief. And the same is true the other the other way around. You know, you, you earn the relationship and operate as an ambassador for your client 
in order to hire the right talent and attract the right the right, the right individuals to a conversation. So it's it is much more complicated than it ever was. Interesting. And how, in your view, how has leadership changed since you started out? Are you seeing big shifts in how, you know, the leaders 20 years ago headed up a company versus how they manage and lead teams now? It was far more uh, functional. I think, you know, 25 plus years ago, certainly in the, the, the retail and consumer industry, you had the functional experts, um, the, the operator, the buyer, the merchandiser, the, the creative director, um, the finance director. And they tended to, to grow up through what I call the sort of T-bar, which is up through one function. And then they plateaued to become a leader um, at a managing director, regardless of the function they'd come up through. And in 2008, 2009, um, during the, the, the big financial crash, um, there was a need for really every leader in a business to be a lot more accountable and operationally affect change coming out of that, that crisis moment. So you saw the, the loss of actually managing director titles and you had far more uh, emergence of chief operating officers who had um, potentially finance as well as operations uh, supply chain. So coming up and out of the T-bar, you ended up with with almost pieces of cake, which was which is a, a sort of a V-shaped role with much more accountability across the business for delivering not just the strategy and the leadership. And I would say that's evolved even further in the last sort of 10, 15 years. And and, and leaders right at the top of the tree um, have, have meandered through different functions in a business so that they are there. They're cross-functional. They've, by the time they get to chief executive level, they hopefully have operated and led in a majority of the functions which they're going to be the ultimate leader for. So it's it's a matrix. We are operating now in a matrix, and the work we do to to help structure teams and talent below a chief executive involves each of those accountable um, C-suite players to be involved in a multiple of, of, of functional areas working together. So there's, there are, you know, the questions around who owns what um, are the wrong questions to ask. It's how do we achieve our goal uh, through a joint effort? Okay, so that's actually really interesting. And I wanna pick into that a little bit. So in the past, you would have had, been searching for specific criteria on a, on a role and what was needed and now, you specifically in your agency look at a different set of criteria. Um, can you just talk about that a little bit more in detail? Yes. So um, as a search firm, we don't set the criteria. We we set, um, we are very clear on our critical path. So on, on what information needs to be extracted at what point and, and built into what form of, of brief. But the criteria for the hire equally shouldn't be given to us by a client. So there is a, a totally different engaging conversation that talks about the reason for the hire. Um, and, and there's a systemic set of questions and qualification in understanding of, of what's the mission. Yeah, that's a bigger question. What's the mission? How are you going to achieve it? Um, what KPIs will you use to measure? And, um, and therefore, what is it? What is the search objective? So, so that, that's different. And I think that where search can not have a positive outcome is where a prescription, if you like, is given from either the search firm to 
with a client based on what they feel is right for the business um, without the authority to do so, or whether whether the um, brief is taken from the client to the headhunter without any proper understanding getting under the bonnet of a business. So we are renowned for getting under the bonnet of a business, understanding how the bits connect. Um, I came from industry, um, I search as a secondary career. So it's really important to understand what, what the strategy is, what the, the end goal is and what the purpose is. So there are three questions perhaps to bring in at this point. Whenever we work with a leader, whenever we work with a business, we will ask three clear questions. And that is, those are why you exist, why do you exist, what difference you make, and why is it the way you do things um, enables, why does that resonate with both your audiences internally, your employees, and your audiences externally, your consumers, whatever the model. So why do you exist? What difference do you make? And why, is, why does the way you do it engage on both sides of the fence? And they're very clear, simple questions, but that to us depicts purpose. Um, and those businesses that you're working with, obviously they're coming to you because you have a deep, you're deeply rooted in purpose and you wanna be placing people that have, that, that have their own purpose, but are also committed to their company's purpose. Um, can you just, how did you come up with that idea? What was driving you to work yeah. towards a business recruiting um, people with purpose? Yes, you I'm, smiling. I'm smiling. <laughs> I know you were a bit ahead of your time because now people talk about people over profit, purpose-driven companies, but you, yeah. you started your business a little bit before people were necessarily considering that. Yes, I think many would say we jumped on some sailing zeitgeist and, and um, carried the wave. Um, I think we probably did actually without any intention of doing so. Altrua is um, a derivative of altruism. And that, that's, you know, I call the business Altrua for a reason. And altruism to me is, is doing the right things um, from which, uh, of course, positive results come. So but that has always been my MO throughout my career is, is, to, is to do the right things. And, and I've never missed a number in my, in my career. So I think that that is very important. One of our one of our uh, values is, is, um, is a word that sounds Greek, um, aret, it's pronounced in a French way, and that literally translated means the, the value of doing things in the right way has more reward for us than any commercial um, currency. And, and that is really, really, really important to us. So Altura was born really as a, um, has a positive intention to disrupt what the, the metrics of search um, through, I think, um, an allergy probably isn't too strong a word, an allergy to transactional search. So uh, from, from a candidate point of view, I think there are a lot of very senior candidates who are not supported in that sort of personal coach um, advisor experience through a search and through a, a, a dramatic career change. And equally the client isn't given advice, isn't, isn't guided, isn't, uh, there's no devil's advocate in the process to properly enable uh, both sides. And personally, as an employee of a transactional search, with many transactional search firms, they should all remain unable, um, unnamed. Um, that wasn't a positive experience necessarily permanently. So um, Altura is about uh, content, creativity, relationships, and when we get to it, exceptionally good process. So it's not at the, it, that's not, that's not a, to compromise the search in any way, but there are things to us that matter more than just good transactional process. 
You also talk about thrival. Can you put this mm -hmm. into context with relation yes. to altrua? Yes. Um, so for me, alchemy is around uh, the right talent, uh, being in the right role with the right behavior. And, and all those three metrics should align to, to allow an individual and a business to reach that sort of utopian point of thrival and maintain it. So our mission is strength and leadership for a world that thrives. Um, and that is really, really important to us. And that starts from within. Um, and the, the, the three parts of the alchemy, if you like, a great talent in a great role is, is, is somebody being appointed into a good job. Um, the positive, clear, culturally positive behavior is what will enable performance. Um, and, and, and we call that thrival and it's caught on. A lot of people talk to us about our thrival plan. Um, and, and it's actually, we've, we've, we've developed that into a tool that helps us qualify a business, a brief, um, and actually we use it right at the end of the process to work with um, both the informal referencing, the formal referencing, an assessment tool, and then we work with the client and the candidate to form that into um, an elaborated onboarding plan. It's, it's much more than onboarding a thrival plan. I just want to talk about the pandemic a bit. Um, did you mm. notice with some of the clients that you worked with and the leaders that you worked with that they were shifting the way that they approached their business and their teams? Yes, entirely. Um, I'm back to a comment I made around uh, the world is, is a matrix. Uh, and, and for our industry, the, uh, the dramatic unthinkable happened, which was we switched off physical stores. We, we switched off the ability to, to engage any, any, any audiences through physical retail, which was, was unthinkable. So um, I think the, the first hours, days, weeks of that process was, was a panic, blind panic in the industry. Um, and actually a, um, the reaction to which was we can't possibly hire now, all the lights are off, the revenue streams are shut. Um, it, it, it doesn't make sense to spend money on a headhunter or a recruiting process. Um, we probably need to be letting people go, not hiring. That was the initial pattern. Um, Actually, we, we, we um, in very, very early on switched into a position of sharing information. So people would call us and just say, what do you see in the market? What do you hear? How are people reacting? So we've always held very strong relationships with both our clients and our candidates and industry connections. So it was a fascinating time where you, we stopped hiring temporarily, not in every case, but temporarily in some cases, to try and understand the right approach to the subject that was appropriate, that was respectful, that um, helped businesses face into, frankly, the unknown. Um, within a month, I would say, and not more than that, there was a different wave that happened, which was also fascinating, which was the empowered time businesses and leaders felt they had to get to subjects they didn't previously through operational life got to. So we saw phenomenal scenarios where businesses had their physical estate shut, yet they would work on advanced scenario planning to bring AI into the supply chain. They just hadn't had the time to stop the clock and get onto that. So then took over an incredible wave of, of hiring, really digitally led. Um, we're very digitally fluent, so that came in all sorts of shapes and sizes, um, but, but that was exciting. There was little other to be, little else to be concerned with operationally. So those processes took place very fast um, in a lot of detail to make sure you achieve the right outcome. 
uh, there was one individual I think I spoke to absolutely every day for six weeks. I did joke saying she wouldn't, she didn't think she'd be in lockdown with me, but she was. And, and she was uh, appointed into a fantastic COO role at the end of it. But making big, clear decisions at such a time in the world was difficult. It, they, everybody needed a lot of handholding. And those people that you did put into roles during the pandemic, they're obviously starting without going into an office necessarily. Absolutely. How yeah. did they actually make their mark? What was their onboarding without having their team around them? I think um, it's the same with the search process. The same answer comes to the search process as for the onboarding. You can't, you're only operating through two senses on, online, the sight and sound. You don't have the, the, the rest to help you build a picture from watching somebody lift a teacup to uh, say hello to the receptionist to um, sense their reaction to something that takes place during the course of the meetings or you, you can't see it. So it was all sorts of uh, clever gimmicks that, that was, were tried, you know, staged, um, different projects given during that process to try and help the, the, the conversation come alive on both sides of the screen, but it was difficult. Um, and what I refer to in, in digital processes, and they still go on start to finish digitally, um, are sound bites. You need to have many, many, many sound bites and draw a picture from those than just draw a conclusion from one hour Zoom or Teams call. That's nowhere near as powerful as a, an hour's face-to-face -face interview or meeting, but you can build up um, a pattern of sound bites that enable a business to bring somebody on board, to land them, to develop those relationships. Um, in a slightly more lighthearted fashion, there was lots of entertainment coming from candidates being hired into businesses who then confessed that they were six foot four tall and, and that had never been explored in the interview process. You couldn't. <laughs> so there were there were there were parts to the relationship that needed forming in person that came later on in their onboarding. Um, and now that um, businesses are going heading back into an office, it's sort of post-pandemic. There's obviously a new way of working, but people are starting to see each other. It's a bit more hybrid. Um, are you seeing any big workplace challenges? Yes, lots. I think every business I talk to has, has this challenge of how do we have the right balance? I mean, we're a team of four in our business. We, we're still achieving that balance here too. Um, but we do know that the fluency of communication, that 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 less deliberate exchange that happens when you're in a room with people is 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 far uh, it enables productivity it's really constructive so businesses are struggling or struggling with what is the norm um is that tuesday wednesday thursday is that a good good use of space time energy team connectivity um there are since still sensitivities to coming back into a workplace um, but I think it's it's figuring out what the new norm is as a whole and what the independent needs of a business and a, and a workforce are. Yeah, and we've heard from lots of our clients that it's that struggle of now that no one's in one place that actually makes it a little bit more challenging to communicate, whereas everyone was remote, so you could deal with virtual in a certain way. Now with half the office, half the people in the office and half the people working remotely, how do you not ignore on a Zoom call, for example, um, the people that aren't in the room when you have half the people in the room. So trying to find that balance. 
I was listening to a podcast this morning on exactly that. And I think this virtual reality is going to hit us before we know it. Um, I think still think that feels very space age, space age to a lot of us, but, but, but the, the, the technology will enable that soon. I think it's a very, com I've been in meetings where the on-screen audience are almost completely forgotten about because there's so much, you know, in-person engagement. I've been the person on screen with an incredibly noisy fishbowl of, 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 of activity to watch through a screen. That's pretty difficult too. Um, I've also been in meeting rooms where the individual on the screen is on the screen, but you've got this incredible robot that, that, that moves around the entire audience to, to make sure that they're getting a, 360 view of the of the meeting so technology is a wonderful thing um it, it it is a challenge but it's here to stay we have to navigate it and i think you know there's there's respect is something to consider here what is what are we trying to achieve from the outcome um from the meeting what are the rules of engagement for this group of people getting together physically digitally and how do we make sure that everybody has a good experience from it and, and experience is, is something our industry talks about in, in, in a lot of detail. I think businesses are now having to think about that experience internally um, as much as they are externally. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. And it also makes me think about inclusivity and making sure mm. that everyone is feeling included because psychological safety is a big is a big topic that's out there and people aren't necessarily feeling safe to voice their opinions. Um, if we can make people feel included, then actually they'll be safe. They'll feel safer to voice opinions. You'll have more creativity. Absolutely. Collaboration. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's hearing all the voices too. It's making sure that the, you know, the, the um, it's hearing voices. That's, that's where I'd stop there. It's making sure that you, you, you can engage. Whereas I think if you pass somebody at their desk or watch their behavior of doing something you may something may occur to you you can't do that in a digital world it's it's you have to work harder to find those moments yeah trying to read those cues um i know you're extremely busy right now but it's actually at a time when some things are quite quiet in the market what do you what, why are you so busy where are things moving um with your clients uh, there's a lot of leadership roles, number one leadership roles, you know, so the, the, the chief executive hire. Um, there's a huge amount of transformation. Um, and I think that was coming anyway in 2019. And of course, the, the fueled change deliberately around channel play and digital being a, a real driver um, was something that the pandemic enabled. So businesses had to, to change and adopt and the balance of channel mix coming out of the pandemic is just different. So the physical experience or being in an office or being in a, in a shop or being in a, in, a, in a hospitality or a consumer space is that is netted out in a different way, which means the engines driving that experience are different. They look different. They need to be resourced in a different way. So I think the change was coming to our industry anyway, but as that coined phrase, I think we went through 10, 10 years worth of change in 10 months. Um, so there's, there is a lot of transformation. Um, I, there's, a, there's a new phrase I use that I think is very uh, descriptive of the, the moment the industry is going through, which is this is a combination of oil meeting water. So there are new teams of talent going into businesses, mixing with existing teams of talent who have perhaps been in an organization for much longer. And that's really interesting. So if you like the vinaigrette that's created from the oil and water mixing, is fascinating. It is taking some time to settle, and 
and settle together as opposed to separate out and exist in a business. So there is, um, it, it just as just as the phrase des- describes, there there is a there's a moment where the new is meeting the existing and perhaps more traditional inside a business, and it's it, it's positive, but it will take some time to shake out. I want to switch to well-being and leadership. How much is well-being featuring in your leader conversations? Well, I think in order to lead purposefully and to ensure that you're at that point in thrival, there are things each and every leader and indeed business needs to do for themselves to ensure that you stay in the best state that you possibly can be. And I know personally, I I know what mine are and I'm, I'm very aware that I need to do my three sessions of Pilates and two of yoga a week, that matters to me. And that time is sacrosanct. I will not compromise that. Um, Otherwise, I can't be in the shape I need to be to advise on these critical hires and this transformation, um, nor have the energy and and, um, enthusiasm to learn, go through each process. So I think each and every leader needs to think about how they help be at their best. And whether that's a wellness program, whether that's peace of mind whether that's time to think um there's been so much coming at us through the last two years there's still there's still an an, an overwhelming overhang of, of fatigue um we we talked before the session started that the, the world is missing in action right now because it's easter time They're, this year is not a case of are you going away wait for easter it's where are you going away for easter because the world is catching up on some well-needed rest and holiday time with their families with their friends um, to experience something other than work, life at home. Uh, so I think I'm really pleased to see the industries and the world respond to that. It's as quiet now this week as it was in last August. You know, that the, the people are taking their foot off the gas just to recover. And then there will be a hopefully a new wave of energy that takes us through the, the, the last part of the spring into the summer. Um, wellness and being at your personal best, whatever that takes, is critically important. And unfortunately, we're still throwing up um, very, very difficult challenges for us all to deal with. Um, those are affecting the industry in a, in a big way. Um, and I think if we look at uh, retail, consumer, travel, hospitality and leisure, there are big headwinds that are causing businesses and leaders to, to, to worry, not to find a point, but to worry about what comes later on in the year in terms of industry dynamic. So unless we are in the right shape to manage that, we will be fatigued and won't make the right decisions and calls at that moment in time. So critical to stay in shape, critical. And I know when you say stay in shape, you're talking mentally in shape. Um, I'm talking mentally, I'm talking physically, I'm talking from a point of view of feed. What, what is it that, that you need, I need to feed ourselves with positive, energizing um, battery reserve? So that when our daily lives, whether that's being a parent or um, running a business or leading a transformation or leading incredibly exciting growth, you will need to draw upon an energy bank. And that needs to come from somewhere. Um, A great phrase I have with my, I work with my coach on is is SHED, which is an an acronym for sleep, hydration, um, uh, exercise and diet. And, and that's something that I will I will practice my thoughts around shed every weekend in order to restore ready for the coming weeks. And, you know, most leaders I, I work with have something that, that, that gives them that charge 
that helps them thinking about being ready for whatever's coming. And I think the pandemic has taught us to be ready for what we didn't know was coming. So yeah. we're, you, we're having to anticipate. We are. Um, do you do you speak and coach your your leaders on this or your clients on this, or are they coming into it because they typically have a purpose driven company that they're it always comes up. It yeah. always comes it's. I'm not a personal trainer. I'm not a coach. We're not consultants. We're headhunters, and in fact, we are. Our strapline is unapologetically good headhunters. Um, so, but it is part of it, and it always comes in. So, so you know, the conversation around what 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 do you do that that, that keeps you alive and, and inspired and, and motivated and, and having the the appetite and energy for for your business or for your role that comes into conversation all the time, and particularly if somebody's transition. Um, if, if you've got a leader in the market who is actually looking at their next career chapter, I often advise they treat it as a school day and a school week. So they, they work between nine and three. They take an hour for lunch. They do sports on a Wednesday afternoon um, and they, they balance life with, with um, looking for that next career chapter as a full time job. So it's, it's if you are in the market, there's a responsibility to be um in good shape and um, energizing the audiences you engage with and i think it's also about learning learning those boundaries and just as you said you know that you have you you it's sacrosanct your time for what you need to do to show up as your best and making sure that we we then educate those that you know are below us to to learn their boundaries and be able to to talk through their boundaries with their manager or their leader i had a great anecdote uh, last week where I was taking a reference on a senior player and uh, the, their team report said this woman taught us modern leadership, she worked around the clock, she travelled on a Sunday but she made no excuse to visit her son's uh, football match on a Wednesday afternoon so it's just different, it's making, making your choices and, and uh, choosing your priorities in life that allow you to, to be and have those roles whether it's professionally or personally. Um, and with leaders now, do you see them there taking time to consider what they're investing in well-being for their employees or considering how they can support employee well-being more? Absolutely. So I think the sort of the, the drive to achieve in the ESG space is, is, is really important. There's a requirement, in fact, um, not doing enough of it and not commenting and not having a responsible uh, tone of voice in round clear, clear subjects has led uh, workforces to speak out against businesses, which has been culturally highly damaging. Um, there are several examples of that. Uh, I think the, the I've been asked many questions around what the what is the appropriate line of conduct when supporting causes, um, what what for workforces will be looking for, and what they expect of their employees as a standpoint. Um, so yeah, it, this is really important, and I think matters more and more to to, to up and coming generations in in organisations. But th th there's a requirement. It's not uh, it's not just uh, for the leader to feel it's a good in, in good investment of time and resources, but there is a requirement to make sure that um, your workforces are uh, I suppose invested in. It's reward of a different nature. Um, and you're involved in the Princess Trust. Can you talk about your role there? Because and and also how you fit it all in. <laughs> it's another day job. Uh, I've been supporting the trust for uh, over 17 years now. So, and in my world, uh, every young person deserves a chance, and and that is exactly the strapline of the Princess Trust. So we um, 
their trust is unusual. They have uh, six uh, commercial groups who work with different industry streams to act as their commercial personal trainer. That's the easiest way of describing it. And I now chair the retail um, and consumer leisure uh, group um, in its, uh, I think it's 12th year of in existence, which is great. Um, and th that, that role is really to, to help the, the trust operate as a commercial organization, but to extend the message of the work they do as a calling for businesses to get on board and support. So it, it, it's fascinating work. And it, it's also really, really humbling work. There's some phenomenal stories of young, young people who have come from nothing with, with really very broken backgrounds, who have the drive, the determination to overcome enormous hurdles and, and develop their lives. That it, They are just empowering stories, they really are. Um, our role is to make sure that um, organizations uh, are inclusive, and potentially offer um, employment opportunities to the, the less privileged backgrounds, to the uneducated backgrounds, so those who've been through these journeys as much as they do um, consider their diversity and equality quotas. Amazing, such a good cause, Lucy. Yeah, so very passionate about it. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for your time. It's been great to, to catch up with you and also hear all that's going on in your world Pleasure. and how things are moving forward with leadership, that businesses are being more mindful about purpose and about the employee, the well-being of their employees. Um, if people wanted to get in touch with you, how can they find you? So um, you're welcome to visit the site. You're welcome to get in touch with us directly, info at altruapeople.com. Uh, we're on LinkedIn we're on, or on um, social media, but you're, you're welcome to have a conversation with you. There are four of us here and we'd, we'd, we'd welcome a call. Great. Thank you for joining us, Lucy. And to all of you out there, be here and be well. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you in the next episode. And by the way, if you like what you heard, then hit subscribe to receive all the future episodes. Better yet, if you're feeling inspired by what you just heard, then leave a review letting me know who else you might want to hear from on Conscious Leaders. To learn more about the show, about Conscious Working, or Tribe, our membership, head over to our website, consciousworking.co. Yes, it's just CO, so consciousworking.co. And for those of you that might be suffering burnout, we have a great free resource the Beat Burnout Guide. It's a really simple assessment with tools for you to take action now. Check it out in the show notes so that you can access it immediately. See you in the next episode. Be here and be well.